Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I'm Desiree. And I'm Jenna Lee, and we're your hosts each week. Each week, we interview women to hear their stories, and we address topics that don't usually get talked about so openly. Be ready for honest and raw conversations about all the things we're struggling with as real women. I can't believe we're already at episode five. This week was just as exciting for us because Desiree and I got to sit down and talk with Rebecca Lyons. If you don't know who that is, she's a mom of three with Cade who has Down syndrome and she's also an author. She's written the books Free Fall to Fly and You Are Free where she talks about her struggles with anxiety, facing her demons, and finding God in the middle of it. She's very focused on helping women share their stories and sharing her own story so that women know that they're not alone. She shares the same kind of ideas that we do and we loved sitting down and talking with her. I hope that you give us a little bit of grace because we were really excited and a tad nervous to talk to her but she was so kind and so gracious with us and we loved the chance to talk with her. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation just as much and if you do and you want to find more about her you can find her at her website www.rebeccalyons.com. Welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. We are so excited to have you. We're so honored. We both have read your books and they made big impacts in my life, I know for sure, because when I first read Free Fall to Fly, I was a brand new stay-at-home mom (laughs) trying to figure out everything, really, and how to still be me and be a mom. So I know it hit me tremendously. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful for your story. And I, I have so many questions and I, I know that, um, because we've read it, we know the story, but I'm wondering if you might, for the people that haven't read your book, or maybe have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, maybe just tell them a little bit about you and, and a little bit about your story. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm honored and, um, free fall to fly chronicled my crash and burn in New York City. We moved there eight years ago in 2010, and our kids were four, seven, and nine. And um, basically four months into that time, I had my first panic attack. And that lasted a little over, like over a year. Um, And so I'm thinking I'm going to the city looking for meaning, and turns out I find surrender instead. And I can tell you today that meaning follows surrender. So it really kind of began my journey. It was a midlife reset. And I remember telling friends, it's like, you're going off to college, but you're taking your kids. And that's actually not a thing. So um, that, that really is what the Lord used to catalyze me even finding my voice, I think, you know, what you were just describing. So when you had your son, um, when I had my son, same thing. I think I was, there's a lost season of just finding the fullness of who you are inside and outside the walls of your home. And so I think we all as women who become mamas have to kind of blaze that trail in our unique ways to sort through that. And it takes time. It takes grace and, um, and, allowing God to kind of show us what he wants his plans and purposes to look like in that place. Yeah. That's what's so neat. So I, I mean, reading your book, your son, Cade, um, he has down syndrome and I love, 
I follow you on social media and I love watching your guys' story with that. And I, I am always interested in how not only becoming a mom and having to, to do what you just said, find all of that place and the surrender in that, how did that change for you with also having to handle something like Down syndrome with your son and figuring out that whole thing as a new mom? Right. Uh, it's wild because uh, the way I described it in that first book was that I came home with him to a house that was swollen with silence. And because he was largely nonverbal um, until you know, my, my next child came along a couple years later, I was really kind of, it was like he and I together at home bonding and me like having to sort out grief and hope and like a new, a new path all at the same time of like hormones and breastfeeding and, (laughs) you know, just like making it to the therapy on time going to play dates with friends where other kids were just motoring around. And, and so just finding my identity uh, in, in knowing that as Cade's mom, it was going to look different and that it was okay to just process that slowly. I think when trauma comes in our lives, no matter where it comes from, we are often left just reeling. Like we don't know what to do first. We don't know the right thing. Like what do we read? Who do we talk to? Who do we give the microphone to? As Bob Goff says, who are we, who, who has influence that we can listen to and learn from in a season of um, lament. And yet it's also a season of new life. So it's the juxtaposition of like, you're fighting for your baby to be alive because he had no fluid and he was four and a half pounds full term. So he was on feeding and breathing tubes and NICU. So at that point we're just fighting for his life. Then, you know, he lives and comes home and then we're fighting for just figuring out what does wholeness look like for Cade? And then in the meantime, my heart's trying to heal. So, um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, what pain will do, but what I've learned you know, 17 years later, I can't believe he's going to be a junior. <laughs> I start school on Friday. He's going to be a junior in high school. But like what, what, what trial does, James says, it produces endurance, patience, maturity, ultimately to some point in life where you're like lacking in nothing, which none of us will see that this side of eternity. None of us will be perfect. But we will understand that the trial produces good, that the pain is for our purpose, um, that we can sit in a seat of surrender and know that God is still on the throne and he's not wringing his hands and that he is going to use the things that we, the path we would not have initially chosen for his glory. And so that's, that's kind of what it's looked like, you know? Um, I can't imagine not having a child with Down syndrome now. You know, I cannot not imagine um, just living in a way that that requires me to see people as they are, not by what they offer me. So that's beautiful and so true. And I love 
I love thinking about how that changes your perspective, but also everyone else's around you as well, mm -hmm. once they get to know you and Kate and, and your entire family. So when you, when you were in New York, and I, I've read, you know, the stories of, you know, Central Park and the, the areas and the things that you've done and, and the different struggles that you've had. I'm curious how during that time, I mean, I have read the book, but how you would explain to women during that time of new, you know, it was a transformation for you, but it was a new area and new family and new everything, really. Um, what would advice would you have for women that feel like they're at that spot where they're trying to find themselves and who God created them to be in that moment, but they're also mm -hmm. maybe struggling with the maybe the guilt that we feel as moms of trying to give all of ourselves to our kids and our family, but also figure out who we are or who God has made us to be separately. What advice would you have for women maybe in that spot? That's a great question. First of all, I want to just give everyone permission to relieve themselves of guilt because guilt says I owe something to someone. And so you're always living in debt to something that you can't ever quite pay off. And so guilt is a beast because it, it puts you in the driver's seat of fixing everything. And our job as mamas was never to fix and make things perfect for everyone around us. We're to nurture and we're to train and raise up, but we can't fix the heart. We can nurture the heart. We can't, we can't heal the heart. We can, we can come around and love the heart. But ultimately, we have to surrender anything outside of us. We only have authority really over our own heart. <laughs> so anyone outside of that, we have to just continue to surrender and lay that down to God. And so even in mothering after this long, I have found that, um, that the mommy guilt is a lie. It just is. And it's a way that the enemy tries to hold us back from being um, open to what God might have for us because we don't even imagine it. We're not, we don't feel permission to imagine purpose and call and vocation beyond motherhood because we're covered with shame or guilt. And so that's exactly what the enemy would want. He would want us to feel like this is the only place or this is the only identity we have is mother, but it's not. Our identity is begins as daughter. And as a daughter of God, he puts in us in the womb, he destines and appoints in the, in the womb birthright gifts. And he looks for all kinds of ways, he plans for all kinds of ways for those gifts to be used and utilized and to minister and serve. Sure, yes, our kids, but also beyond that. And I think it's beautiful when we are open to the mess of trying to sort out what is that kind of gift? How does that gift play out here at home? How does it play out in my neighborhood, in my school, in my church, in my community, in my civic responsibility, in my business? All of a sudden, we can't control it because it gets too broad. Instead, we have to surrender and say, God, just open the doors that you want me to walk through make close the doors that I should not be in. make it clear to me where I'm supposed to invest my time. Cause we all only get 24 hours a day, but make sure that those 24 hours a day are obedience. They're obedience to the invitation that you send me 
versus me trying to control the few things that are like under my care. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, it's, it's relieving for me because I'm, I'm still at that stage of life. I have two little ones, four and two, and, and I'm still at that stage of trying to figure out what that looks like. So that's very helpful to me, I know. Good. I um, was listening to your newest book on Audible recently, and I wrote down a line that you had um, said, and one of them, you said that gifts that gave you life, you use to shape hope with others through your own brokenness. And I just loved how you said that because these are the gifts that God has given you that people are trying to put boundaries on saying, no, you're the mom, you're, you're for your kids. And just stepping into that openness and being open and saying this gift that I have been given of severe anxiety and panic attacks that I've grew from, I'm opening that up to others and showing my brokenness so others can come together and see how not, not only how you overcame that, but how you see it as a gift that was given to you. And that's just something that I feel like, like you said, shame is such a burden. It's like you can't, you almost can't breathe. You feel you're wrong and that you need to hide this aspect. And you're in your book, you just open up and say, I wish I would have seen it as a gift when I was going through it because like the conferences you were speaking about and, and God put healing on your heart. And you said, if anyone needs healing, like, and you want me to pray for you, just, you know, raise your hand or stick around and it was kind of like uncomfortable, uncharted territory, you know, but in the end, it's like many women stick stuck around and they wanted that. All you had to do was open the door. And the only thing stopping you was the fear of the unknown. And I just love in your book, how you just create the open forum and saying, these are my struggles. Take the time to reflect on yourself. And kind of go through that journey that I went through. I think that that is such an inspiration. And that's one of the things that we, we had in mind of doing this podcast is creating like the openness and saying, I'm vulnerable. These are the, the situations that made me grow. And how can we grow together and just supporting women? And one thing I was wondering is how did you get over kind of the vulnerability, I guess, and get the courage to really get out there and not only write a book, but start speaking about it in front of people. Well, the, what I want to be, my hope and my prayer in life is that anything I would tell you from a stage, I would tell you across the table. I would tell you in a small group. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't have close, intimate people that are sacred and that I, they hear everything. Obviously, I don't share everything online or in a book. But I do believe that the power of vulnerability brings connection. And we all want connection. We want to feel like we're not alone. We want to feel like we're heard or understood. That we're not psycho, you know, that we're not alone spiraling in the closet somewhere because um, nobody else must struggle with these things because it's just not true. And the enemy wants us to think that we're alone, that we're better off alone. 
because when we're alone, those thoughts just keep swirling in our brain and we actually can't take them captive. We can't actually discern truth from a lie when we don't have someone else to bump up against and go, I'm a horrible mom. And then they're like, actually, you're not. You know, I watched you with your kids yesterday. And while you might be replaying like the moment that you failed, I, I've watched you, I've watched you have at least 10 moments in the last two weeks where you were like a, a rock star. And that is what we need in each other. We need community, um, the body, we need family and friends uh, to remind us what is true. Because where the enemy takes root is in the mind, just trying to cycle us and spin us out on the lies of, of shame and guilt and fear. <laughs> I'm like, it's like the trifecta for women in particular. And so uh, I think the vulnerability for me is motivated by this reminder of like, just to be a clarion call or a siren going, no, 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 that's not true. Here's what's true about you. Here's what God says is true. And the only reason I'm this passionate and convicted about it is because I believe lies too. And I have to have the Lord remind me and prompt me sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes at coffee with a friend, sometimes when I'm reading his word, whatever, I have to have him remind me of what is true. And if, and if, if we are people who have walked with God or have had a life of faith, still need reminded, <laughs> no matter where we are in life, what is true, then, then everyone needs it. Like everyone needs it, especially people who might not have God as their compass, they, their north. Like, so I just think part of the armor of God begins with the belt of truth. And I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think that it's like, you know, just random order. I think he's like, you begin with putting on the belt of truth because when you can start to actually hear the difference and discern between truth and a lie, you are on your way to freedom. You're on your way to helping other people see it the same way. You're, you're on your way to understanding and having discernment when something starts to creep in to take you out. And so vulnerability has always been easy for me. Um, because I don't take myself too seriously. I'm able to laugh at myself. Um, confession to me is such a freeing thing. Like my friends joke me like, you'd make an awesome Catholic because, <laughs> because confession comes so naturally for me. Like I'm like ready to just like, oh, I cannot believe I did blah, 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 blah. And then I, but then I laugh about it because even though it's wrong, even though it's sin, even though like I could get all worked up, like I can't believe I did this. I'm such a horrible person. It's like, no, 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 you're not a horrible person. You just need a safe, you just need God. Like everyone else needs God and Jesus doesn't condemn. So why would we condemn ourselves? He's like, I'm not going to condemn you. Um, I, I receive, I, I love you. I receive you. I continue to credit you with my righteousness and I see you as mine. I call you mine. I call you mine. And so guilty or not like you're mine. And as a result of that, the relationship is never broken. So there never needs to be any shame of sin. Just confess it and I'll forgive you, period, the end. It's not a license to sin, but it's, it's just so that you understand that the tempter is going to not stop tempting. The lies are not going to stop being told. Um, the fear is still going to still want to creep in, but you don't have to give way. Or even if you do, confession cleans the slate. And if we could just remember that, with ourselves and with each other in marriage and friendships, confession cleans the slate. 
confession is you're like your mulligan, right? You, you just, you get to start over immediately. And so I, I just think I'm writing right now my third book and I'm making myself praise God, like start every morning at 6am. Cause I write a lot better, like right away. And, um, and I'm laughing at the stories that are coming out. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what's going to come out. I mean, you have an outline and you're following it, but you still don't know where this brain is going to like randomly go in the middle of writing. And I'm like laughing at stories that I'm writing right now going like, am I really going to publish this? <laughs> but it's true. I just think every, the things I'm saying, everyone is feeling, I, I, I believe they have felt them or they feel them. And so why not? Like, why not just call it, call it what it is? Because when we all pretend to ignore like the elephant in the room, then no one gets healing, no one gets freedom and no one connects. And I think as God's people, he says, you're one, you're one and with the same spirit. And you're supposed to like, when you become one and you become united and, and you hear each other and you discern and you understand, then the world will look in and go, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to be in on that because what they have looks sincere and I don't have that anywhere else in my life. Yeah, that's so true. Oh my gosh. But I was, I was listening in your chapter on um, where you were seeking approval and how you realized that you were turning more towards like uh, the sales of your books and the likes on Facebook and the hearts on Instagram and everything rather than the approval of the one audience member that mattered, you know, which is God. And it's, it really is an aspect that I've struggled with. And just you saying like, like in the book, stop and think about where you're getting your attention from, you know, and how you, in the beginning of the book, you kind of started with the aspect that you were the popular girl and that's like that's what you were all about was popularity and how it followed you and just how you overcame that aspect and just creating like each chapter of the book saying this is how I grew through this this is how you can too so sweet well uh it's it's like everything is a skill but everything it begins as a birthright gift but then it's up to us to steward it right you know that's why the man with talents is burying them and i wonder you know when you bury them you know malcolm gladwell writes in outliers that outliers that you need ten thousand hours to become like the expert on whatever it is that you do right well i just read a book on rest which i'm obsessed with um and it's called uh it's just called rest <laughs> so it's really easy to find but it's a blue cover with like a um, it's not like a Christian book. It's just a research book on rest. And, um, and he says it takes 10,000 deliberate practice hours, not just 10,000 rando hours. It needs to be your best hours. So usually, and his argument is that that only, you only get about four of those a day <laughs> mm -hmm. and they start early, especially if you're like creative. I never, um, ever ever imagine or dream that I would be an author I never planned to be a writer what happened was when I was in your season generally with littles is like I never got to like actually know what I was feeling you know you're always just kind of doing 
like crowd control, like where are the Cheerios, who, where's the play date? Um, why have I picked these blocks up 12 times in the last 30 hours? Why do I bother? You know, so you're not actually thinking like in adult language. You're just, you're like fielding a soccer game essentially. And so what would happen though, is I'd wake up in the middle of the night with all these thoughts and they had nowhere to go. And so I'd go downstairs. This is when my kids were young before New York. And I would just like hammer it out on my laptop. It was like some way of journaling, like, what is in my brain? Am I insane? And it was just a way early on before I really had new had language for it. It was a way to process who am I? Who am I now? How, how do I embrace this role? Why do I feel guilt for like not always wanting to be around my kids? Why do I look forward to nap time? Oh, because I need some quiet. I, I'm actually a high capacity introvert now. You know, I was writing this morning about um, um, quiet. This is a chapter on quiet. But how, like, in college, I was, like, planning all the parties after football games. And then, like, when I had kids, I was, like, shutting the door to go to the bathroom. And it felt sacred. And I was like, <sighs> or I, like, sit in my car after the kids get out and go inside. And I'm like, I'm just going to hang here for, like, three more, five more minutes. Just hang here in my car in the garage catch up on Instagram. I don't know, but it's just, um, it's just funny. I think it's like the way we encounter life is so similar. We just need to kind of call it what it is without judgment. It's when people act like they have it all together that you're like, you no longer feel like you belong in the room. And so I think it's our responsibility to be honest with our vulnerability and just say, Hey, you know what? I, I feel overwhelmed. Um, with the current, and, and even now, even now, third book in with a schedule that's packed out through the end of 19, I literally will go, Lord, I am not equipped to do this. And I need you if you want me to keep going. Cause for me, perseverance is my word. I like, I don't want to just burn out five years into my vocation. Like I'd like to be able to say I can do this for a few decades if you if it's your will so show me what quiet needs to be show me what rhythms of rest need to be show me what um like what work ethic needs to look like and so I'm reading and learning literally just as much as anyone I am uh like I got off of social media this summer because I realized it's taking too much of my time um and I needed to be quiet and hear God <laughs> very loud. And so it's like, that's going to happen for all of us. We're going to find rhythms where we're like, find ourselves spinning out a little. And we're like, okay, something's got to change today. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes for something to change. And so as long as we have that posture, because we know that our eye is on the, on the prize, like we know that we want our life to be full of meaning and purpose and intention then we're going to have to constantly examine and take inventory of what's not working and what we need to change. And so I think honesty and vulnerability allows for that to do uh, us to do that, whether it's with our friends, whether it's with our family or whether it's just before God. That's so true. Thank you for that. I know that our time is limited, so I don't want to um, push you past any farther, but I do want people to know how they can find your books and find you on where your presence is so could you maybe let us know i mean i know i follow you on social media but where should they get your books where should they plug in and connect and find out more about you 
Well, my website is probably the best place for everything. Uh, it's RebeccaLyons.com. So there you go. That's pretty simple. It's spelled R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S.com. On there, there's a page that's all free resources. So video series on rest and strength and freedom. Uh, there's a lot of downloads for mental health, for anxiety, um, just different things I like to just offer people. Um, you can find me on social media, just at my name handle, Rebecca Lyons, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So yeah, kind of straightforward. And then in all those places would be links to all the books are on Amazon. So yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful that we got the chance to talk to you. So honored that we got to hear your story. It really has meant a lot to us. We're very thankful. Thank you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. You are making a difference by bringing voice to vulnerability and just um, meeting women where they are. I'm proud of you. And I love, it's my greatest joy to watch people just run with the gifts that God puts in front, that gives them and they walk through the door that he opens right in front of them. And that's what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to us. We really are thankful. I hope your kids had a great first day and that you get everything that you need to in for today. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to catch up sometime soon. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.